Welcome into Always Talking Ball. I am your host, Tyler Noe. Folks, it's time to start talking some hoops. Yes, that's right. We're going to talk some college basketball. We told you we are always talking ball. We told you we were going to be a college football and a college basketball podcast. And the season is only a few weeks away. It starts on November the 6th. Yes, we know there are massive games on the gridiron still to happen over the next six weeks. College basketball is going to get rolling here. So these episodes are designed to kind of be short previews of conferences. I'm a big fan of Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com, one of the leading analytics guys in the country as far as college basketball goes. So we're going to go and base off of his rankings for each conference. Now, the way college basketball works, it's a little different than college football. A lot of these teams in mid-major conferences can compete with the big boys in college basketball, and we know that doesn't happen in college football. So we've got the likes of Gonzaga on the West Coast Conference and St. Mary's. We've got the Mountain West Conference, which had a big year last year. we got the American Conference, Florida Atlantic. We know this happened last year in the Final Four with San Diego State and Florida Atlantic making it there. So we know these teams can compete. What we're going to do is we're going to hit the Power Six conferences, and we're going to hit them in reverse order. Right. So we're going to start with the number six and number five conference, according to Ken Palm rankings. Now, in our last preview episode, we'll get to our Always Talking Ball preseason top 25, where don't worry, there will be some mid-major teams in that poll, and that's will be our chance to preview those teams before the season starts. And then, obviously, as the season goes on, I guarantee you we will talk about those teams a lot more. So let's start off with the team that Ken Palm has sixth, the Atlantic Coast Conference. My, how the tables have turned. They finished seventh in Ken Palm rankings last year. Just one spot behind that Mountain West Conference. Ken Palm's been doing this since 1997, and that is the lowest that he's ever ranked them at the end of a season. This is the ACC we're talking about. It's, I mean, they've got some blue buds in this conference, and we've got to start with one of them. We've got to start at the top, who everyone thinks is going to win the ACC, and for good reason. And that's the Duke Blue Devils. Love them or hate them, they're at the top of the ACC again in the preseason. They return five of their top six scorers from last season. Kyle Filipowski, ACC preseason player of the year. Huge surprise when he turned down the NBA and he came back for another year. He averaged 15-9 and nine last year. Jeremy Roach, we run on the point. Tyrese Proctor could have went to the NBA. He's back. Mark Mitchell, Ryan Young, they're all back. That is extremely rare, especially in the current state of college athletics and especially rare for Duke. If you remember just a few seasons ago, I mean, probably 2013 to 2018 and, and beyond, Coach K's final years, he was going the John Calipari Kentucky route. He was going freshman, 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 and he was just rotating them year after year. So it's not like they aren't bringing in freshmen. They brought in the second overall class according to 247 Sports. So this is very, quite possibly, the most talented roster in college basketball. We'll see if they can back it up. They're going to have some tests in the non-conference. They get Arizona. They get Michigan State. They have a true road game at Arkansas. Think about that. Duke in non-conference going on a true road game. Granted, it's in the new ACC-SEC Challenge, so the conferences tell them to play on the road, which is basically all they did in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And then they get a date with Baylor. So they're going to be challenged, obviously, before they get to ACC play. Next on the list, we got to talk about the North Carolina Tar Heels. What a difference a year makes. Last year at this time, North Carolina was just tabbed the preseason number one team in the country. They had returned four starters from a team that lost in the title game to Kansas the year before. Now, fast forward one year later to today, they are a huge question. They finished 20-13 and 13 last year. They missed the tournament. 
obviously we all saw the Caleb Love saga. You know, Michigan didn't take his transfer, but he's gone. He's gone from UNC. They do return R.J. Davis. He'll be he'll figure to factor in a lot heavier. You know, now that Caleb Love is gone, and they return Armando Baycott, another big player in the ACC Conference Player of the Year race. He averaged 16 and 10 last year. He's just an absolute monster on the boards. Likely taking Caleb Love's place, running the point, five-star freshman, Elliot Cadeau. Most of the pundits out there are tabbing him to be the ACC Newcomer of the Year. He's poised to take over You know, the job as a starting point guard, and he's, he's just one of the few true floor generals from the last recruiting class. Hubert Davis is going to be able to plug and play him, and they haven't had a, a, a point guard his caliber in quite some time. So he reclassified from 24 up to 23, and he finished as the number 12 overall prospect. Moving on next, we got to talk about Jim Laranega's Miami Hurricanes. We mentioned them in that magical run to the Final Four. They could do it again this season, and they might be better this season than they were last. They should be stronger than an NCAA 5 seed. They obviously lost Isaiah Wong, but they returned Nigel Pack, Norshad Armir, and Wuga Poplar from that Final Four team. Matthew Cleveland even transferred over from Florida State in conference. He averaged 14 points and seven rebounds a game at Florida State last year. So they're going to be looking to make some noise actually in the regular season this year. But Jeremy Laranega just works his magic down there in South Beach. I'm not sure why he would ever leave anywhere else, but he should be able to replace most of the production that he lost the guard position last year. They're going to get tested a little bit in the non-conference schedule. Uh, They get to play Kentucky, and then they have a date with Colorado, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Honestly, that's kind of it for the ACC. There's a reason they're the number six conference in the country you look at teams like virginia everybody's gonna you know wonder what virginia's like with tony bennett he's got probably one of the least experienced teams since he took over the program in 2009 reese beekman is back but he's the only player that came back that's averaging that played at least 22 minutes per game last year they lost five of their top seven players armand franklin kihei clark Caden shedrick transferred but they really need big year two jumps from isaac mcneely they got a big you know transfer jordan minor from merrimack Jake Groves came over from Oklahoma. He didn't bring his brother Tanner, so just Jake's there. Um, one team I'm looking at, you know, if you're looking at any DraftKings odds out there, any gambling odds for ACC title odds, one of the teams I like possibly to throw a little, you know, shot in the dark at, Wake Forest at 40-1. to 1. This could be the year that Wake get, gets back to the NCAA tournament. They have not reached the round of 64 since 2010, but... They got a former five-star in Hunter Salas. He transferred in after playing two years at Gonzaga. He came off the bench. He he should have a larger role on this team. Obviously, they returned three starters from last season, Andrew Carr, Cameron Hildreth, and Damari Monsanto. So they're looking, you know, Steve Forbes is looking to get them back. Obviously, the reason that ACC has been down the past couple years is just teams like Florida State, Syracuse, some of those staples have not performed like they did in years past. Leonard Hamilton is due for a bounce back. That was a 9-23 and season last year. That was rough. Syracuse, obviously, it's been a long time since anybody other than Jim Boeheim was on, was, was on the sidelines for them. It's 47 seasons. But Adrian Autry is going to take over. He's got to replace Boeheim, which is a job in and of itself. And the ACC, you know, teams have been through this before. Obviously, Duke and North Carolina, where they went through major coaching changes. Roy Williams left. Coach K left. Hubert Davis takes over, has immediate success. John Shire has a really good year in his first year last year. So if Syracuse wants to copy that formula, they're going to have to rely heavily on their guard play. And obviously, they just got to play better in conference play. I mean, they're 66 and 64 
since 2013 in conference play. It's almost 500. That's just not going to get it done. Teams toward the bottom, you know, Louisville, Kenny Payne, his tenure, it just could not have got off into a worse start. They went 4-28. and 28. The talent is just not there. It's still not there. They lost out on DJ Wagner. It was between them and Kentucky. Kentucky obviously got, you know, Dewan Wagner's son. They did, you know, add one of the former top recruits, Guy Clark, from Illinois. They got a five-star freshman coming in, but they got to get closer to that 500 level for Kenny Payne to show some improvement there. So that's it for the ACC. It should be a fun year. We'll see if they can improve on that number six preseason ranking and not fall back behind the pack like they did last year. Now let's move on to the Pac-12. One last dance for the Conference of Champions. Think about it. Just a couple years ago, Oregon State, UCLA, and USC all made the Elite Eight. Last season, they failed to have a team advance past the Sweet 16 for the second straight season. And it's not going to help matters when your conference champion last year, Arizona, loses in the first round as a two-seed to 15-seed Princeton. They're going to have to try to get that out of their heads, and they've got some players to do it. Obviously, Azuelis Tubelis is gone. Kirk Kreisa left for West Virginia, but preseason Pac-12 Player of the Year, Omar Ballo, is back, and he's there to anchor the front court. He averaged 14 points and eight and a half rebounds a game. And we mentioned Caleb Love earlier and his transfer journey. Well, that long journey landed in Tucson. And I don't think he could have landed with a better coach. Tommy Lloyd does wonders with guards. But obviously, they're coming off of one of the biggest upsets in NCAA tournament history. Anytime a 15 beats a two. But Kylan Boswell is back. He should have a bigger role this season. Obviously, Ballo down the middle. But, you know, they've got to ensure that def- defense. They've got to tighten up. They allowed the most points in the Pac-12 last season per game. And you know, they just got to put that Princeton loss behind them and march forward. And I think Tommy Lloyd is obviously a great coach, comes from that Mark Few Gonzaga coaching tree. I think he'll be great. Non-conference, they are looking at a date with Duke, Michigan State, a couple Big Ten teams in Wisconsin and Purdue, and then they get to play Alabama. So they are looking at a nice non-conference schedule to beef up, you know, before they get to Pac-12 play. Second, we got to talk about USC. They landed the number two recruit in the country, Isaiah Collier. He's an absolute facilitator with the Rock. Now, they already have Boogie Ellis at guard, who averaged 17.7 points per game, so they should pair well together. They figure to have the best backcourt in the conference and one of the top five backcourts in the nation. Dennis Robinson, DJ, he transferred him from Washington State. We'll see if if he can rebound like the worm. And who could forget about Bronny James, of course. The son of LeBron James, he was already going going to get a ton of attention. This past summer during practice, he suffered a cardiac arrest on the court. So obviously, thoughts and prayers are with him and his health first and foremost. But we also all want to see him on the court. We want to see what he is like on the court. And those are big shoes to fill when your dad is LeBron James. Status is still TBD for the season. So we'll see if he can play game one because they're one of the teams that opens up November 6th, opening night of college basketball. They play Kansas State on the first night in Las Vegas. That's one of their marquee matchups. They also get Gonzaga and Auburn on the schedule as well. Let's go to the other side of L.A. UCLA is turning over a new leaf. Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, freshman Amari Bailey's gone. They're no longer there. And last year's freshman of the year is back, Adembona, but he only got averaged 23 minutes of action. He averaged eight points, five rebounds, and two blocks a game. But he had all those other players stacked around him. So those are pretty good numbers for the limited time he got. 
in the you know there's only one basketball to go around. UCLA and Mick Cronin they welcome in seven freshmen, including seven foot three Aday Mara, who from what we've heard over in Europe he's as talented a passer as he is a scorer. Now the competition's not quite the same over there, so we'll see how he handles that. Obviously he's a freshman, gonna have to grow a little bit. Uh, so it might be a little bit of a transition year for Mick Cronin, but you know one of his staples is going to be defense. They only they allowed less than 61 points per game last season. That was obviously number one in the Pac-12 and number seven in the nation. So UCLA is going to be there. Their non-conference schedule, they get to play in the Maui Invitational. If you haven't seen the Maui Invitational bracket, go look at it right now. They open up with Marquette on their side of the bracket. Then they'll get the winner of Chaminade in Kansas, so probably Kansas. The other teams on the other side of the bracket, Purdue opens up with Gonzaga and Tennessee opens up with Syracuse. So if they can advance, that will be three marquee games that they get to play in right there. And then Villanova, Ohio State, and Maryland are also on the non-conference schedule. So that's what these Pac-12 teams need to do. They need to beef up that non-conference play. So when you get to Pac-12, you're rated higher. You can start beating up on everybody and you know strengthen that conference overall. Get more than you know three, four teams in the tournament like they have in the past couple of years. Again, looking at long shots who might provide provide the most value on the board. If you want to throw a shot, look at Colorado at seven to one. I know we've talked a lot about the Colorado Buffaloes, thanks to Deion Sanders and the football team. You know, for the past couple of months, now we're talking about Tad Boyle and the Colorado Buffaloes basketball team. He probably has his best roster since taking over the program in 2010. Coming back is Tristan Da Silva. He averaged 16 points per game, five rebounds a game. In the transfer portal, they landed TCU big man Eddie Lampkin Jr. We all remember him. He was big for them a couple of years ago. Last year, left TCU under you know some questionable circumstances. But Colorado, get this, they're also bringing in their highest-rated recruit in school history, number four overall recruit Cody Williams. He's the brother of NBA player Jalen Williams, and he's expected to play you know, off the ball next to their veteran guard, K.J. Simpson. So this could be a year Colorado might surprise some teams. Obviously, it's tough to play at altitude, especially when you do those back-to-back games. You play Utah first, then Colorado. Watch out for those games when you get to conference play. They could make a deep tournament run. They've got a lot of talent on this roster. Obviously, you look a little further down, and the reason I think the Pac-12 could possibly sneak, you know, possibly five teams into March Madness this year you look at a really talented Oregon team. They were not up to Dana Altman's standards last year. They played in the NIT. They had some good showing in the NIT. You know, got some guys some really good minutes and, and good play. And Folly Dante comes back. He averaged 13.4 points and 8.4 rebounds a game last year. Star big man coming back is always a good thing. And then they've got three top 40 freshmen coming in. Kwame Evans Jr., Jackson Shellstad, and Mookie Cook. They're all going to be in the rotation because of the fact that, you know, they lost some players to the transfer portal. Most notably, they lost former five-star recruit Kalel Ware to Indiana. Luckily, they got another seven-foot big man, Nate Biddle. He should see a roll off the bench behind Dante. Biddle had a really good game against UCF and the NIT. So there's potential there for Oregon to get back to where Dane Altman expects them to be. Arizona State, you got Bobby Hurley. You know, they went to the tournament last year. They beat Nevada, um, took TCU down to the wire. They've got some guys who are coming in. Obviously, the younger brother of Danny Hurley, he saw his older brother, you know, win the whole thing last year. So he's eager to kind of make his mark, too. Utah got some big news when Brandon Carlson announced he was coming back. He averaged 16.3 points a game last season. But on the defensive end, he averaged second most blocks per game in the Big 12. So Utah's got some potential there. 
All these other teams, Stanford, a little bit of a trouble. They lost Harrison Ingram. That's going to be tough for them to replace. You know, Pedro Stoyakovich's son is is a freshman there. So let's see if he can, you know, shoot the rock like his dad could. Washington, they're an interesting team. I don't think they have all the pieces there, but they got Keon Brooks Jr. and he averaged almost 18 points a game last year. He could be leading the Pac-12 in scoring in five months. You know, he, he could be the scoring leader. So Mike Hopkins is looking to go through the transfer portal. They actually got Severe Wheeler from Kentucky uh, to come, you know, play point guard for him. We'll see what they can do. Cal, Washington State, Oregon State. Oregon State has fallen far since that 2021 tournament run. Since they lost to Houston in the Elite Eight, they've won 14 games. They've won, gone 14 and 49. They've got such a young roster there. They're really trying, you know, to get some talent in there. But it's Oregon State. Obviously, that program and that athletic program is up up in the air right now. So we're not sure what to do. So, again, the Conference of Champions, it's their last dance. And we'll see if they can get, you know, possibly five teams into March Madison. That would be a great season for them, I think. So, again, thank you guys for listening to this little conference preview here. We're going to keep going through them. Obviously, next time we're going to get to the Big East and Big Ten. And Danny Hurley, coach of the UConn Huskies, had some really interesting things to say about the Big Ten or Big East. I've got some really interesting things to say about the Big Ten Conference, you know, being here in my backyard and being an Indiana Hoosiers fan. Uh, And then obviously we'll get to the SEC and the Big 12 later on. And then, like I said, wait just a couple weeks and we'll release our Always Talking Ball preseason top 25. We'll talk a little bit about every single school in that ranking, some of the mid-majors, and, um, you know, maybe even give out some predictions. So appreciate you guys. Keep on the lookout for college football episodes that released every Monday and Thursday. Keep subscribing. If you love college basketball and you know someone who loves college basketball, send this preview to them. Give them a little knowledge before the season starts. And we'll see y'all next time.